0: On today's show, it's Friday the 13th, and I'm going to combine the Yankees with the Friday the 13th movies. How? Find out next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, the 13th Yankee fans. Welcome to Lockdown Yankees, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. Welcome. And yeah, I thought it would be interesting to combine the Friday, the 13th movies with the Yankees. How? Well, it's Friday and we're going to be flashing back. So I'd like to thank you for making Lockdown on Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the like button or the thumbs up button and uh, click the bell so you know when our videos go live. So I thought this could be fun. I realized it was Friday the 13th yesterday and I thought, oh, how can I turn this into a Yankee thing? And uh, I found a way to do it. We're only going to look at the first, or we're going to look at five out of the first six movies. I saw the first six and then stopped after that. And I think there were six more <laughs> made after that. The last one I saw was Jason Lives. Part. That was part six. And the only reason I'm not doing part five is because for some reason, it wasn't released during baseball season. All the other ones were. They were all released either in May or August or July, but for some reason, Friday the 13th Part 5 was released March 22nd, 1985. Now, I mean, I could have looked up a spring training game because maybe there was one, but I figured I'd stick to the (laughs) main (laughs) movies, like you know, uh, the movies that came out during the actual regular season, so... The first movie was released May 9th, 1980. Not a 13th. A few of them were released on Friday the 13th. But for some reason, I guess, well, they didn't, they didn't think to do that for some reason. I don't know why. Friday, May 9th, 1980, Yankee Stadium, 8 p.m. start, 8 p.m. Eastern. Because games weren't so long the game duration was 204. (laughs) Remember when games only lasted that long? I kind of do. Some of you may not, but I kind of do. So at this point in the season, the Minnesota Twins were 11 and 16, the Yankees were 15 and 9. Fun fact, on Friday, May 9th, 1980, when the first Friday the 13th movie was released, Call Me by Blondie was the number one song. I had to look that up. So twenty seven thousand two hundred twenty five people at Yankee Stadium two, and here are your lineups, and you'll recognize some names, especially in the pitching category. Uh, so here's Minnesota. Jesus Vega, Ken Landro, Roy Smalley, future Yankee, Ron Jackson, John Castino, Pete Mackinnon, Dave Edwards, Willie Norwood, Butch Weiniger, another future Yankee. And your starting pitcher, Jerry Kuzman. Hey. I mean, I'm sure some of you recognize these names. Yes. Yankees, Willie Randolph, Rupert Jones, Bob Watson, Eric Solderholm, <laughs> Lou Pinella, Rick Cerrone, Greg Nettles, Bucky Dent, Bobby Brown. Not Dr. Bobby Brown. And not Bobby Brown from New Edition. And your starter, Ron Guidry. Yeah. Now your umpires. Oh, okay. Steve Palermo was there. We all remember Steve Palermo. We should remember Steve Palermo. Uh, home plate was Lou DeMuro. Al Clark was at first. Palermo was at second. Dave Phillips was at third. As I said, the time of the game was 2.04. The field condition unknown, but the weather, 57 degrees at start time, and the wind was 11 miles an hour, but it says in unknown direction. Interesting. Now, the Yankees got the scoring done or done started. (laughs) They done started. No, they got the scoring started in the bottom of the first uh, with a three-run home run by Bob Watson. Because Willie Randolph led off with a single, Rupert Jones reached on an E1. And it was a sacrifice bunt. So, yeah, and Randolph made it to second. Jones made it to first. Watson hits the home run. Soderholm hits a single. Piniella hits a ground ball double play. And then Rick Cerrone flies out to end the inning. Bob Watson helped the Yankees score again in the bottom of the eighth. He hit a double this time that scored Brown and Randolph. Made the Yankees go up 5-2. Willie Norwood hits a home run off Ron Guidry in the top of the ninth to make it 5-2. And after he does that, Butch Weiniger walks. And Goose Gossage comes in to replace Guidry. And he strikes out Rick Schofield to end the game. <laughs> and the Yankees win 5-2. <laughs> but yeah, not a lot of stuff going on in this game. Really. Because there were a lot of uh, quick innings there, which is why it only took two o four. Good for them. Good for them. Now, Friday the 13th Part 2 came out in May of 1981. Released May 1st of 1981. Again, not a Friday the 13th. Later on, they start thinking, hey, maybe we should release these on Friday the 13th. Ooh, smart. This time, the Yankees are in Oakland to take on the A's. And at this point in the season in 1981, the Oakland A's were 19 and 3, so they were good. The Yankees weren't bad, they were 11 and 7, and there were 44,105 at the Oakland Alameda county coliseum the same it's the same place they play now isn't it that horrible place um now this game took a little longer three hours 17 minutes An unmanageable three hours and 17 minutes as michael k would say in a moment we'll be looking at the may 1st 1981 game in oakland but first looking for a delicious treat but you don't want all the fat and the calories you gotta try a built bar we just got through the holidays, and my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, though, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for that New Year's resolution. And this is the day. The second Friday of the year is when people give up on their resolutions. Don't give up on your resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and I'm not sure how they do it, but they taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And I know that's important to some people. What's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't need to wait around for the box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your boxes at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Thanks for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Locked On MLB Prospects can be your second listen of the day. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB Stars of Tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, on the day that Friday the 13th Part 2 came out, May 1st of 1981, the Yankees were in Oakland, and here is your Yankees lineup. Willie Randolph, Jerry Mumphrey, Dave Winfield, Reggie Jackson, Oscar Gamble, Craig Nettles, Bob Watson, Barry Foote, Bucky Dent. Tom Underwood was your starting pitcher. For Oakland, Ricky Henderson, Dwayne Murphy, Cliff Johnson, Tony Armas. Oh, my God. Mike Heath, Shooty Babbitt. Shooty Babbitt? I don't remember Shooty Babbitt, but that's a fantastic name. Dave McKay, Jeff Newman, Fred Stanley, and your starter is Rick Langford. Your umps for the day. Home plate umpire, Don Denkinger, Jim McKean at first, Rich Garcia, we remember Rich Garcia at third. No, second, third, Greg Kosk. Oh, I remember him too. So as I said, 317 was the time of this game, but that's because Oakland did some scoring against the Yankees. The Yankees lost this game. I'll spoil it right away. They lost. And uh Yeah. Now the scoring didn't start till the top of the third. And the Yankees actually started the scoring. Oscar Gamble hit a two-run home run that scored Reggie Jackson uh, to put the Yankees up 2-0. Then in the bottom of the fourth, the A's scored one run on a ground ball double play because the bases were loaded. (laughs) Tom Underwood walked Dwayne Murphy and Cliff Johnson. Tony Armas hit a single to load the bases. Then Mike Heath hit into a ground ball double play shortstop. Shortstop to second to first. Scoring from third. They get the run. Okay, so it's 2-1. I got it. At first I didn't get it, and I got it. Bottom of the... So that's the bottom of the fourth. The Yankees are up 2-1. Bottom of the sixth. Mike Heath hits a single that scores Murphy. Ties the game. Dave McKay, after Shooty Babbitt hits a single, hits a single. Johnson scores. Heath scores. Babbitt makes it to third. The Athletics are up 4-2. That's the only scoring they'll do in that inning, but they score three runs on five hits. They leave two on base. It's 4-2. Now, the top of the seventh, the Yankees pull to within one. Barry Foote hits a home run off Rick Langford, solo shot, so it's 4-3. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Cliff Johnson hits a two-run home run off Ron Davis, who came in for Dave LaRoche, who had come in For Doug Bird, who had come in for Tom Underwood. Yankees had a lot of pitchers that day. (laughs) So Cliff Johnson hits a two-run home run at 6-3 A's. Bottom of the eighth, they score again. They make it 8-3. Then the Yankees make things interesting, though, in the top of the ninth. Jeff Jones is in for the A's. Willie Randolph leads off with a single. Jerry Mumphrey grounds out to second. Randolph makes it to second. Dave Winfield hits a single that scores Willie Randolph. Reggie Jackson strikes out. Oscar Gamble hits a two-run home run, and it's 8-6. And then Greg Nettles hits a fly ball to left, and the game ends. But hey, I mean, at least the Yankees made it interesting, right? Friday the 13th Part 3 came out August 13th, 1982. Friday, August 13th, 1982. Not only was this movie released on a Friday, it was the 3D movie. If anyone else was around in 1982 and 1983, you remember that a lot of movies started coming out that were 3D. It was like the big thing again. (laughs) And this was no different than the other 3D movies, just completely goofy. And what made it worse is it was a slasher pick and Things were coming at you while you were watching it. And it was, you know, I mean, those movies were creepy for me. How old was I when I was seven when that movie came out and I saw it. When it came on cable after it was out, because my parents were not taking me to see Friday the 13th when I was seven years old. My mom did take me to see Halloween when I was four. Don't ask. I don't know why she did that. And I remember it. Whoo, I remember it a little bit too much. I remember what it felt like being in the theater and being completely freaked out. But mm, they they stopped doing that to me uh, with the Friday the 13th movies. I saw the only one I saw in the theater was Jason Lives in 1986. The rest of them I saw on cable. So. Just saying. Or at sleepovers when we'd rent uh, VHS tapes. Because, of course, you watch scary movies at sleepovers. That's what we did in the 80s. So Yankees were in Chicago in Comiskey Park. The Yankees were 56 and 56 on August thirteenth, 1982. The Chicago White Sox were 61 and 52. And let's look at the lineups quickly. Since the Yankees are the visitors, let's look at them first. Willie Randolph, Lee Mazzilli, Jerry Mumphrey, Dave Winfield, Lou Pinella, Greg Nettles, Roy Smalley. There he is. John Mayberry, Rick Cerrone. And your starting pitcher, Tommy John. For the White Sox, Ron LaFleur. Ooh, Tony Benazard. Oh, yeah. Harold Baines. Greg Luzinski. Tom wreck. Mm, Pachyrek, Pachyrek, Steve Kemp, Carlton Fisk, Vance Law, Arulio Rodriguez at third, and your starting pitcher, Steve Trout. A lot of these names are familiar to people who are around my age. Hmm. Al Clark was at home plate, Jim Evans at first, Ted Hendry at second base, Jim McKean at third, Some of these names we just mentioned. Time of the game, only two hours, 37 minutes. 34,806 people were in Chicago to see the Yankees take on the White Sox. And in a moment, we will tell you what happened in that game. But first, so Yankees start things off pretty early. Top of the first, Lee Mazzilli is your second battery, hits a home run to left field. Now, Willie Randolph also hit the ball to left field, but it was a fly ball out. The Yankees are up 1 0. In the bottom of the second, the White Sox pull ahead 2 1, thanks to a Steve Kemp double and a Vance loss single. In the top of the fourth, Roy Smalley grounds out shortstop to first. And because Lou Pinella hit a single and Nettles hit a double that advanced Pinella to third, he was able to score on that ground out. And then John Mayberry made an out, but the Yankees tied the game 2 2. White Sox pull ahead in the bottom of the fourth. Vance Law hits a sacrifice fly to put the White Sox up 3-2. Top of the fifth, Jerry Mumphrey reaches on an E6. Willie Randolph, who had hit a single and advanced to third on an E5 when Lee Mazzilli hit a single, scores. Mazzilli makes it to third, but Randolph is the only one that scores. Yankees tie the game 3-3. In the top of the seventh, Rick Cerrone leads off the inning with a solo shot, puts the Yankees up 4-3, and that's how it would end. Goose Gossage comes in, bottom of the ninth, gets a fly ball to second, fly ball to center field, and he strikes out Carlton Fisk to end the game. The Yankees win 4-3. How exciting is that? Just kidding. Now, if you saw the Friday the 13th 3D movie, do you remember the commercial for it because I actually I have a strange thing where I remember movie trailers and commercials from the 80s. I don't know why. Like I'll watch a movie and say that was in the commercial. That was in the trailer. And my brother always looks at me like, "How do you remember that?" I don't know. I don't remember why I walk into a room, but I remember movie trailers. But let me know if you remember the arrow flying at the screen for Friday the 13th Part <laughs> 3. because that was a big 3D thing. And yes, someone was unalived in that movie, thanks to a, a bow and arrow. So yeah. Friday the 13th Part 4 came out in 1984. And it came out on April 13th, 1984. Guess what day of the week it was. They finally learned their lesson. Friday the 13th, 1984. Early in the season, Yankees are playing the White Sox again, this time in Yankee Stadium. White Sox are 4-3 and three at this point, because it's really early in the season. Yankees are 3-6. and six. There are only 17, no, excuse me, 15,765 people at Yankee Stadium, too. The game duration is 2 hours, 59 minutes. Let's look at the Chicago White Sox lineup. Rudy Law, Scott Fletcher, Harold Baines, Greg Lazinski, Greg Walker, Tom Paciorek, Vance Law, Mark Hill, Julio Cruz, and your starting pitcher, Floyd Bannister. If Sully is listening to this, he will be able to tell you everything about everyone I just mentioned. 1984 Yankees. Now, 1984 was the first season that I went to a lot of games. I went to my first games in 1983, which I will talk about later in the season because it's the 40th anniversary of me starting to go to Yankee games. And of course, I'm going to have to talk about the first time I ever went to Yankee Stadium because it was one of the best days of my life to this point still. 1984 Yankees. Here's your lineup. Omar Moreno, Willie Randolph, Lou Piniella, Don Baylor, Dave Winfield, Toby Hara at third base, Don Mattingly, Rick Cerrone, Tom Foley. Oh my God. And starting pitcher, John Montefusco. (laughs) Holy cow. Taken back to 39 years ago. That is just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Your home plate umpire, Rocky Rowe. Remember him? I do. Larry Barnett is at first. Dale Ford is at second. Ken Kaiser is at third. Yeah, a lot of these names are bringing me back. Some of you young kids are probably like, what? And then the other older people or people even older than me who watch and listen to the show are just nodding their heads saying, yep, I remember all these people. So the White Sox, oh, yeah, John Montefusco had a bit of a problem in the first inning. <laughs> Rudy Law hits a triple to lead off the game. Scott Fletcher hits a single that scores Law, obviously. Harold Baines grounds out. Greg Lazinski walks. Greg Walker <laughs> hits a home run. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Tom Pachyrek grounds out. Vance Law flies out, but the White Sox are up 4-0. So if you went to this game, I'm so sorry. Bottom of the second, the Yankees at least get a run back. Don Baylor hits a home run off Floyd Bannister. In the top of the fourth, Scott Fletcher. Uh, Rudy Law hits another triple. what what? <laughs> this time off Bob Shirley and Fletcher reaches on an e one. It was a sacrifice bunt that scores law. White Sox are up four one. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. He had two triples. You don't see that that often, you know It's not an easy thing to do. That's why when people are going for the cycle, it's always The triple is the hardest one to get. It's not easy hitting a triple. And this man hit two of them in the top. Excuse me. Bottom of the sixth. The Yankees make things slightly interesting. Off Floyd Bannister, who's still in the game. Willie Randolph strikes out. Lou Pinella flies out. So two outs right away. Don Baylor hits a double while Dave Winfield is up. Floyd Bannister uncorks a wild pitch and Baylor makes it to third. Winfield walks. Toby Harris hit by a pitch. Bases are loaded. Don Mattingly hits a single that scores Baylor and Winfield. Harrah makes it to second. Rick Cerrone is up. Floyd Bannister uncorks another wild pitch. Harrah makes it to third. Mattingly makes it to second. And then Rick Cerrone hits a fly ball to second. So that's all the Yankees would get. It's 5-3. Unfortunately, that's all they would get for the rest of the game. They're set down in order in the bottom of the ninth. Roy Smalley strikes out. Omar Moreno hits a fly ball to short. Willie Randolph hits a fly ball to right field, all against Ron Reed. So the Yankees lose that game 5-3. And then finally, Friday the 13th Part 5, as I said, was released in March. No game. So we're looking at Part 6, and that's the one I saw in a theater Still not appropriate for me to see. I was only, oh, I wasn't even 12. It was a few weeks before I turned 12 when I saw that movie. It came out August 1st, 1986. Hello? (laughs) No, there probably wasn't a, um, a Friday the 13th that they could release it on. And I get that. So the Yankees were in Cleveland to play the then Indians and... Listen to the attendance of this game. It's August. Cleveland's doing pretty well. They're 54 and 48. Yeah, you know, they're not It's not like they're uh, world beaters, but they're over 500. Yankees are 57 and 47 at this point. There are 64,934 people at this game in August of 1986 to see the Yankees against Cleveland. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's crazy. Yankees line up first. Ricky Henderson, Claudel Washington, Don Mattingly, Mike Eastler, Dan Pasqua, Mike Pallirulo. Oh, this is so funny. Juan Espino, Mike Fishlin, Wayne Tollison at short, and Joe Negro is your starting pitcher. Not Phil, Joe. (laughs) For Cleveland, Tony Benazard, Julio Franco, Joe Carter, Mel Hall, Corey Snyder, Pat Tabler, Carmelo Castillo, Chris Bando, Otis Nixon, and your starting pitcher, Tom Candiotti. Again, another lineup or two lineups where Sully is just going, yep, yep. Listen to Locked On MLB. Sully is like, he really is like a baseball encyclopedia and he'll just pull things out and about random guys from like 1979 that I can't even do. And it's just it's amazing. Your home plate umpire, Nick Bremigan, Rocky Rowe, first base, John Hirschbeck, second base and Tom Leopard at third base. It's funny all these like, you know, it's funny how some of the guys in the earlier games are in this game. This game and some of the umps have been in. It's just, it's, I love doing this because it's really fun looking back at this stuff. So the Yankees started the scoring in the top of the second. Mike Eastler hits a home run off Tom Candiotti. Dan Pasqua hits a single. Mike Pagliarulo hits a single. Juan Espino hits a fly ball, sack fly that scores Pasqua to make it 2 0. In the bottom of the fourth, the Indians tie the game. Corey Snyder hits a double off Joe Necro that scores Mel Hall. And Pat Tabler hits a single that scores Snyder. And right back in the top of the fifth, the Yankees score a run. Mike Eastler reaches on an E6. Claudell Washington, who had hit a single two batters earlier, scores. In the bottom of the fifth, the Indians tie the game. 64,000 people saw this back-and-forth game between the Yankees and Cleveland. Wow. Okay, they scored on a wild pitch by Necro, and Otis Nixon scored to tie the game. Man. Then the next few innings, bottom of the sixth, top of the seventh, bottom of the seventh, top of the eighth, bottom of the eighth, all one, two, three innings by both teams. Then the top of the ninth, Ricky Henderson is hit by a pitch, Claudel Washington Strikes out. But while he's up, Henderson steals second. But then it doesn't matter. Because Don Mattingly hits a home run to put the Yankees up 5-3. And this is all against Tom Candiotti. Frank Wills replaces Candiotti. Mike Eastler hits a single. Dan Pasqua hits a fly ball to left. Mike Pellirulo strikes out. So those are the two runs that the Yankees get. It's 5-3. And then Dave Rigetti comes in to replace Brian Fisher. Dave Righetti gets a fly ball to short, a ground ball to third, and then gives up a single to Chris Bando. Gives up a single to Chris Bando. Andre Thornton hits a single to make things interesting. <laughs> and Tony Benazard hits a fly ball to right to end the game. Cleveland leaves two on base, and the Yankees win 5-3. Yeah, Yankees lost a couple of those games and won a few of those games. And uh yeah, Friday the 13th. Let me know in the comments on YouTube if you saw any of those movies, if you saw all those movies. Like I said, I stopped at six. I think I saw bits and pieces of which one was Jason Takes Manhattan was like the eighth one, I think. I think I saw bits and pieces of that on cable, but I didn't really sit and watch it. I had had enough (laughs) by the sixth one. (laughs) It was enough for me. But isn't it fun? Just thinking back to all those names of all those guys, you know, on on all the teams, because especially some of the guys who later became Yankees and, you know, some of the umps who were appearing in some of the same or in the games like a year later, but different umping positions, obviously, you know, that's how everything goes, but it's just funny. So uh, one quick thing, Aaron Judge is going to receive, well, Eric Adams wants to give Aaron Judge the key to the city. Um, of New York, obviously. Uh, It was first awarded in 1702. The symbolic key to the city resembles a large skeleton key and is a beloved symbol of civic recognition and gratitude reserved for individuals whose service to the public and the common good rises to the highest level of achievement. The entire Yankees roster received keys to the city after they won the World Series in 2009. City Hall has also honored Dwight Gooden, They gave him a key in 2017, and they gave the Miracle Mets of 1969 keys on the anniversary in 2019. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, Aaron Judge is probably going to get a key to the city. And, you know, if he went to San Francisco, he wouldn't have gotten that, so... So I hope you enjoyed this look back on Friday the 13th release dates, which some of them were Friday the 13th and some of them were not Friday the 13th. And again, leave comments below on YouTube. Let me know if you saw any of the Friday the 13th movies. And if you have not, if they are on any streaming services, you have to watch, you know, young Kevin Bacon's in the first one. Um, As I said, the third one is so goofy with the 3D stuff. You know, as a kid, I thought it was scary. And then I rewatched it as an adult and I thought it was ridiculously bad. So (laughs) it might be fun for you to watch those movies from an adult lens, as opposed to me watching it when I was a child. Because, you know, I watched most most of those movies when I was a kid. So they were a little freakier back then. And uh, yeah, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, you can listen to us on every podcasting platform available. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, hit the thumbs up button, comment on YouTube, click the bell so you know when our videos go live. And thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. So enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you all next week.